everyone, and welcome to Soundtrack on the Cinematic Schematic, brought to you by thecinematropolis.com. My name's Alexander Bohannon, and I'm your guide and also a film scores nerd. And we're bringing to you today a very, very special episode. But as always, I'm not alone. Joining me in this studio is Sir. Introduce yourself. Hello, my name is Caleb Masters, the editor-in-chief of The Cinematropolis and your voice of The Cinematic Schematic. Alex, I am super excited about today's guest, uh, someone who's done a lot of work I greatly admire and uh, I think who has uh, got some really incredible stories to tell us about his career and also his approach to film composition. Who we got today? Absolutely. Lauren Balfe is joining us today here on Soundtrack, and I'm so honored and pleased that he was able to come in and carve some time out to talk to us today about his scoring of Mission Impossible 6, some of the games in the Call of Duty franchise. He did Lego Batman, I think, right? Yeah, just casually does Lego Batman. Casually. (laughs) You know, Um, and he, I I mean, there's so much going on for Lauren right now. I mean, Mission Impossible Fallout Blu-ray drops tomorrow tuesday december 4th go to your major retailer and pick up a copy not only will you have such amazing acting and directing and everything on screen that you get with your mission impossible film but you also get a dedicated commentary track devoted to him discussing the score so lauren balfe is actually discussing the film he has his own commentary track on mission impossible fallout Absolutely insane. Folks, that's not very common, and I can't wait to listen to it. But this is actually a big week for our guest, Lauren. He's also got another very big project coming to listeners this week. Really? Yes. Tell me me, me more. Uh, So you know I like video games. I only know casually that you like video games. I mean... No, you really super like video games. games. And uh, I like video game scores. And Lauren Balfe uh, was recently announced to be doing the Video Game Awards, which is the most prestigious award show in video games. And he's going to be both uh, composing the live orchestra and he's the music uh, supervising director, I believe. So this is... You're going to get to see all the music coming out of the Video Game Awards is done from the talents of Lauren Balfe. And for you out there who also like video games and also like cool announcements and also want to uh, hear Lauren's take on a lot of classic video game themes, make sure to check out the Video Game Awards, which is actually streaming basically on every single platform imaginable on Thursday, December 6th, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 7.30 p.m. Central Time, and for those of you on the West Coast, that is 5.30 p.m. West Coast Pacific Time. He actually spends a good deal of time, in addition to talking about Mission Impossible Fallout, uh, to talking about his approach to video game composition. Well, Caleb, I'm really excited to hear his approach to scoring, and not just on video games, but film composition and television composition as well. And of course, on the subject of film, we lead into the show today with the track Escape from Paris, and transitioning into our interview, we're going to hear the track Your Mission, both from Mission Impossible Fallout.
today on a very special episode of Soundtrack, we have superstar film, TV, video game composer, Lauren Balf. Lauren Balf is best known for composing music for films such as Mission Impossible Fallout, Lego Batman, 13 Hours, Secret Soldiers of Benghazi, Forward a Project, video games like Assassin's Creed Revelations, Crisis 2, Skylanders, and the Call of Duty franchise, including TV shows like Genius, The Crown, and most recently, the BBC One series, The Cry. Welcome to Soundtrack, Lauren. Wow, I, t- I tell you what, I-, I feel good about myself after that introduction. I hope so, because that's an amazing, <laughs> amazing body of work. I, 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 think I need to cancel that therapist now, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, with a body of work like that, I, I just have to know, how do you find your way into composing music? Is it your, someone in your family, like your father, a composer as well? Yeah. Yes, he was, he was a... He was a songwriter, and um, how did I find myself in? I, I think I found my myself in it by really not knowing what else to do, in in a, in in a weird way. I, I I didn't think that I loved music. Music was around me constantly. Musicians were around me constantly, and I think it was just I took it for granted. I thought that's what you did as a job. You just wow. you went and played. So I was very fortunate. In that because I think a lot of people in the arts um, it's hard because they have parents that use the phrase well when are you going to get a real job so th- thankfully I, I never had that but I, I ended in you know I started writing commercials and then uh, writing um, short films and then that led into TV and then film and then games and so I, I was just I've just been very fortunate to kind of work in all and I still work in all mediums I still do commercials and I still do video games and I think I think 10 years ago there used to be a snobbery regarding it you weren't you you, you stuck to one platform and then that was it but those days are gone thankfully no, that's that's super super interesting. Well, so it sounds like uh, this has always been like a lifelong pursuit. Like you just knew from a really young age. I- I'm curious, Lauren. Like, w- was there a particular gig that you you composed that where you knew that hey, the entertainment business is specifically where I want to invest in composing and building a career? I don't. I, I don't think there was one particular job. I think it was just a natural journey that I that just kept happening and it kind of that path led to it and some may say that I shouldn't have gone down that path but I I, I went down the path and I think that it's um you know there was music around that that I loved and I you know films like Wall Street that Stuart Copeland did made me triggered excitement in me and I just kind of I didn't know it was film music because I think 20 20 years ago when I was at school I don't think people really discussed film composers and now they do and I think um Stuart Copeland doing Wall Street was a major thing and um and Rain Man by Hands and The Lion King there's a lot of movies that I kind of went oh this is this is interesting and that's that was the path really so but I personally I'm yet to have it where I realize, yes, this is meant to become your professional job. Maybe, maybe soon I'll have it, but at the moment I haven't, I haven't realized it yet. Wow. It's, it just sounds like you're constantly pinching yourself. It's like the kind of like, when is, when am I going to wake up from, <laughs> from this? Oh, you have, well, listen, you have to, if you don't, then you just, you have to give up. 
because it's a it's a damn luxury being able to to um to firstly to do something that that you love yeah you know it, it's it's a rarity in life and and to be able to do something that that is your that is your hobby most of that it is you know music to me is a hobby so this is just um and, and i lo- and i love films you know my my happiest memories is based around watching movies so it it's it is a it is a dream come true and something like mission definitely is because i was a, mash, a massive fan of the franchise and and each one i i you know it it was part of my my youth and then my adulthood so to now be part of that family is just it's it's a great opportunity sounds like it kind of everything's kind of come full circle for you right uh, depends. <laughs> de- de- depends on how you look at it with certain things, but um, but yeah, you know, it, it's it's there, there's no there's I there's very few franchises out there where the movies just get better and better, and um and Mission is one of them. Each one just keeps beating the prior one. So so um yeah, it's just it's great to be on part of that that family. Yeah, and I. I have to say, because Caleb and I did this thing where we watched them uh, like week, like one a week, and because I hadn't seen any of them leading up to the release of Fallout, and I, they do each one gets increasingly better, and it's just that just floored me. And when I saw Fallout, it just best one in the franchise, in my right. opinion. Yeah, no, I agree. It's in, it's interesting because so many, it, it, you know, everybody's got their favorite one um or the t- or the top 3 and and it is it it is um interesting because see mine obviously is going to be fallout is i think is my favorite and then and then the first one is my second and and then mi2 is my third but it's interesting you know some people don't rate mi2 anywhere let alone in a a top li- 5 or 6 list so it's um it is great that everybody's got different tastes yeah, that, that's, that was kind of the interesting thing, uh, the conversation going on online when the film came out. It's like, rank your MI, MI Mission Impossible movies. And I've got to say, I, it's, it's definitely, let's your point, not as clear as I expected it to be. Because I was like, well, yeah, obviously it's these three films or these four films. And then everyone online was like, actually, no, Ghost Protocol is the best. No, 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 <laughs> Nation is the best. Or, oh, no, they're the original. So, yeah, I think that's... Um, a fun conversation every time and every time a new one comes out i feel like it reopens and everyone has to rethink it every time. absolutely yeah yeah so what's your process uh so you're tackling a franchise that already has a large body of composed work associated with it which of course includes mr zimmer's work um in in that body as well so how how did you go about you know unifying a sound that's already been established but then pushing it somewhere somewhere new I think I think you know the thing about it is I I think you don't the first thing you do is don't sit there and try to do that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> because I th- I think I think as soon as you do, then you get you you get into a rut where it, it's like being told sit down and and write me a number one pop song. I I, I think you've got to kind of somehow distance yourself, and I think. Fallout was just a totally, it's a visually different film than the rest. Um, the storyline, the, the, the development character of Ethan Hunt's far deeper um, and Elsa's journey also, um, but yet it still belongs to those characters. Um, and I kind of, I treated it really as as if Lalo had 
written the theme the day before and sent it to me and and really it was it was to 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 treat it that way and and look at the journey the musical journey that way and not and not necessarily try to treat it as retro or, or a pastiche um it was just the film is visually obvious that it's this period of time so it was a case of instrumentally working that way so that was that's how I looked at it it was just to try to treat treat this iconic theme with utter respect but just and and not trying to make it sound more modern it was just to, to use it in a more present form so I'm I'm just curious when you're working on you know a film of this scale, what is that composition process like? Maybe you could talk a little bit about you know working on uh, both from the creative side and on the business side of the production process. That's a good question about the business side because I think I think that's it's interesting because you kind of you there is the creative side of it obviously, but then there is the fact that you're working on one of the biggest movies of the year. And that and that's kind of on your shoulders also, which you kind of have to sometimes you have to try to forget about because if you don't, then you're petrified every morning. But um, I think I think you 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 have to you know I've worked on a few franchises now, and and I've always I th- I always try to think about what the 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 story is, but most importantly about the fans' experience. And I think that when you listen to the filmmakers discussing the movie, whether it's the director or the producers, you 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 hear the same thing. You know, it's not a it's not a selfish point of view. It's what is the experience that the 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 cinema goer is going to get out of it. So I think with the music, you remind yourself about the heritage. You know, I I watched a lot of the TV um, show when starting off and, and thankfully I'd seen all the movies because I because I was a fan but I went back to watch the TV show because that was that's their original DNA and that was a kind of an important factor to kind of keep to be reminded in and, and some of the instrumentation with the um, you know you've got you've got a great theme but also you've got those other themes like the plot theme and so so you've got that musical side but then yes you've got the, the business side where it is um, nerve-wracking that you're on such a, a, a high-profile movie and, and the music can mess it up. Um, and I think... But the good thing about it was the whole... Writing the score was a very unique way because I actually wrote... Um, my studio was right next door to um, the editorial room with Eddie Hamilton and, and Chris. So... Uh, and I was there for uh, for several months, so that made it very unique and just great to be able to kind of work on ideas whilst they were still filming and editing. You know, I, I started writing maybe eight months before the end, where so- sometimes I get brought in two weeks before the end. So it was a it was a luxury, uh, and I think it created a more uh, experimental way of working. Wow, that, I think that's really fascinating because I think that's a being right next to the the, the studio where it's edited, the building where it's edited uh, offers a lot of really cool opportunities that uh, I'm sure most jobs don't or or, or fewer jobs do. But uh, I'm curious, could you actually go in depth a little bit and talk about how the process for Fallout because of that differed from scores you've worked on in the past? Well, I think that um, at time 
time is a is a major factor because I think that with Fallout we were we had a uh, an amazing luxury to be able to especially with the test screenings was to be able to unlike a lot of test screenings where you have temp music play throughout it Chris doesn't work with temp music so for each test screening that we had I was writing the complete school so so there was always kind of a rough, a, a lot of sleepless nights kind of building to those screenings but what it meant was that there was no excuses and it wasn't a case of you were watching a, a massive action scene and the music was from Inception or or Batman or something it was all music that was specifically for that scene so that that was a major a different way of working and also being able to start so in advance Chris and I would talk about scenes and when I first before I got the job he we had a lot of breakfasts together talking about the movie and and when he started talking about Ethan's story and uh, and the concept of of what this film was about I just started I kind of went away and I just started writing music so I thought it was easier for me to write music to describe to him how I felt rather than talking about it so I wrote a lot of music that I felt was representing what he was telling me and and thankfully he he liked it so that was a a big relief um and because sometimes you know the composers the last to get an invite to the party they, they, everyone else has been working on it for years and you get brought on and they've, the writers and the producers and directors have know who the, who these characters are. And the composer comes in like a month or two before and writes a piece of music and says, here, this is his theme. And it's, it's very hard to, but the, the, the great thing, <laughs> yeah. the, the great thing about it is thankfully somebody else had written my themes. So it was, it made my life much easier, but yeah, we, we, we created our own temp track and, and that would change. Some scenes would change because they were experimenting with the music and it was a constant uh, luxury to have this experimentation going on. So that's what was unique to it. And I think that uh, we were then able to sit back with an audience and watch it and, and realize the music was not working so so read so we, you can redo it and i think a lot of scenes like in the in after the paris chase scene when they're in the boat in uh, in the underground uh, going through the canals there for for eight, you know maybe 6 months there was another cue there which was the same piece of music that you hear at the at the wedding right at the, the opening okay. um, and oh, that piece and, and the same piece that you hear when Cruz is walking through Paris and, and Elsa is following him. That piece was originally in the water underground scene. And then we've just, when watching it with an audience, you just found that the energy went there and and it worked, it worked. It was, it was beautiful to watch, but did it ruined the actual experience. And then because of that luxury of being able to be sitting next door to your editor and director, I think um, Eddie Hamilton had the idea to do the plotting theme there. 
And Chris said, what about with snare drums? And we had no snare drums in, throughout the rest of the school and wrote it in, in my room and, and then watched it with an audience and it worked. So, so, so being able to test the music was a, a, a major rarity also. I have my notes pulled up here and that's well, that was one of my big questions was the use of the snare in in the score so that came out of like one of those experimentation processes for you well the, the snare thing no it, it came from this kind of uh it came from uh, I wish I could say I took credit but no it was it was it was um edit uh, Eddie and, and Chris and it was it was their idea and and, and it was this the build energy and this military thing you know the the bong the bongo thing yeah i kept sending um chris recordings of these bongo sessions i was doing where i think he thought i was going a bit crazy because he didn't quite know where they where they fitted into the school but i was trying to kind of experiment with the bongo is so essential to mission impossible it belonged in the original tv show um and and it was of that of that time and i think that i started off with one and then that i added another three and then i added another four and and the sound was just becoming something that we had not heard before and also playing them with drumsticks and brushes and different different techniques of playing them uh then kind of then when hearing them it, it enlightened us to what is the sound of mission and again, it's like the op the opening of the movie, probably right until I think maybe a week, uh, two weeks or a week before we finished, was originally an, a different piece of music, and it was much darker and more broody. And it was, um, it's actually the two notes from right in the middle of the plot theme that Lalo had written, and it's this just uh, ba da ba da bomb. And it's just this beautiful big jump, which, which is just kind. Of, it, it was like, gosh, this is the most quintessential villain theme ever. You know, modern film schools have been trying to kind of minimalize and get more straightforward to the point with themes. And Lalo had written this forty years or whatever ago, forty years ago, and it was it was just it was in the middle of his theme, and and that's how we originally opened it up with very dark textures and then all of a sudden after hearing the bongos I wrote this different piece and it just it changed the the whole mood of the first 15 minutes I think it it made you kind of draw you in and and also very like the beginning of mission 1 that started off with snare drums it was it was just something that drew you in instead of just setting a scene very cool. So, and I'm just curious. Uh, it sounds like you guys, uh, because of you had the advantage of having all that extra time to experiment and tweak for these different test screenings. How close to the the actual release were you guys tweaking the the score and the soundtrack? We were still experimenting until hours before the movie was finished. I, th I think that there oh, was, wow. you know, there is writing the music, but then there is the music's got to work with all of these elements: sound effects, dialogue. And I think that um, sometimes, I, I think sometimes people don't fully understand that um, the music's got to weave in and out all of the, out of the whole experience. And now we're mixing in Atmos, uh, 
and that's a total different way of of how the music works and and there is you know it would be it would be lovely to be able to stand in front of an orchestra like john williams and, and have everybody perform at once but it's filmmaking is changing and and we have to kind of we have to evolve with that and and we we recorded all of the elements separately which which is a lot of people do um and it's a shame to not have um your brass playing with your strings it, with, with us the major problem is that we weren't able to have fit all the musicians in to the same room because it was it was it, it was just gigantic and we recorded at air studios in london we also recorded at abbey road in london for um because certain cues we felt you know needed a different sound and and the hall was great for very grand and epic scenes like the halo jump but then for more intimate scenes it, it made sense to record at abbey road but our brass was you know 20 french horns not 20 sorry 12 french horns 12 trombones four trumpets uh two saxophone players uh, you know, it was just it was a a, a massive band uh, because these these visually these stunts were so epic and but but also most importantly we wanted to be able to be big but then small also with the school. Oh wow, I think I think that's really interesting. Just talking about how you piece it together and mix the element. It's all done. Sounds like in the post production versus like you say live. Like a lot of folks might traditionally picture a scoring yeah. session. Yeah, well, yes, because the thing is, is that what you write when you're watching it may make sense, but then when you're on the dub stage, all of a sudden the engine noise of that car or motorbike, the frequencies of it are, don't work with what you have written. And, and so if you've been able to record all of your short strings separately without the melodies on top, you're able to, to adjust the mix and, and, and weave them in and out of those sound effects. So it makes it a more uh, connected audio experience. And, and, and listen, I'm a fan of the old way of doing it, but it, it's just, it's harder and harder to do that now. And also picture changes constantly. You're, 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 mm. you're, you've got with technology now, you're able to keep editing until you finalize that movie. So, so the yeah. process is is totally different, and and I think also sometimes, you know, we we with this with this film, we we would record some of the melodies even separately because in hindsight, when watching it, it it would clash with the dialogue, and I I love melodies, but unfortunately sometimes they can draw you out of what what the story and the narrative is trying to tell you, and and I think it's. It's like the mission briefing at the beginning of the movie. It's just one of the hardest cues I've ever written. And I, I, I think maybe I wrote it like 15, 20 times probably. That's probably, that's a, uh, that's a safe number because it was just, it was um, the mission briefing to all of the Mission Impossible movies are so important because this is where you get your information for the rest of the movie. And we try. We recorded quite a few different ways, and there was very a uh, very atmospheric versions and drone based, um, and much more musical ones. And then, of course, the you know the voice changed 
also with that scene and different actors brought different frequencies to it so all of a sudden your music wouldn't work so it was uh, it was a hard scene i think for for all departments not just music one thing i just i think is so fascinating is the fact that um composers now have the like technology to be just like a complete like you can be so technical and scientific about it and you're like looking at frequencies and things like that that's something you know from the outside looking in like you never ever consider how it like that how it can all build almost like a scientific formula into like a cohesive piece yeah I, you know yes but then that is the process of of filmmaking i think i think yeah. i still can't get my head round when you're watching a movie and and the fact is they're they're talking but actually they didn't say that line when they filmed it <laughs> you know they had to go back into a studio because there was an airplane going above their head when they were filming or somebody coughed or, or, or you know something destroyed that dialogue line so they had to go back into the studio and watch themselves and and um re-record it and and sound effects you know, when it sounds weird to say it, but I, it, it is amazing when somebody uh, puts a key in the exhaust. It's it's not happening visually. They do that with sound effects and how it's all how yeah. it's all layered. It's, it's just amazing. One thing that I really particularly love because this is the score was a day one purchase. For Good, me. I just loved it. Yeah. You so had, hard. You had two, at least two sales oh, right here. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, <laughs> I think I think there was there was three. My mother bought a copy, so it's fine. Oh, <laughs> so it's like it's like on the I'm leaving the theater and I'm already pulling up like the iTunes like previews. I'm like, yep, yep, yep. Bye, bye, bye. Okay, anyway, sorry, <laughs> painful moment. But at times during the score, you actually use silence or near silence, maybe just some kind of atmospheric notes to really great effect. So whenever you're deciding when a moment in a film should be accented by silence versus being punched up with the music cue, what goes through your mind whenever you work with that? I mean, I'm assuming you're working with Corey and you have all your test audiences. So yeah, I, I, I wish I knew the answer. Silence is a silence is is so hard to figure out. I, I think it's it's um, it comes down to taste, and I think some movies you uh, the you know it works into so many ways sometimes the scene the director feels that he didn't get the or she didn't get the the performance that they wanted um and that they want music all over it to try to compensate for what's missing uh, where you sometimes i look and i don't i feel that well the acting you 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 can only cover it up so much but I, I, it's it's the taste police monitoring those things, and I think that it's the same with, especially the trend now with action movies. I think maybe maybe more four or five years ago, but there was a great trend to kind of have your big iconic action sequence have no music, and uh, and then that kind of started changing again. There, there was so many times I'd work on a film and I'd write like an eight or nine minute action sequence, and then. I'd watch it in the cinema and like five minutes had gone and, and you're, st- and you're like, what? why did they remove that? But, but it, it, it's just, it's, you just got to constantly look at the bigger picture and, and know if there's overkill or not. And, and I think Chris has just got amazing taste when not, when not to use music. And I think that 
like one of the first scenes that I watched was the bathroom fight scene. Yes. And and that I was I I I still think it's one of the best fight sequences in in movie history. I think it's just astonishing. And then secondly, I thought I do have no clue how you score this. It, mm-hmm. I, I, because I because we hadn't talked about it, but I just thought, well, naturally, there's of course there's going to be some music, and I and I I you know I, I could not figure out what on earth you do, um, and then and then we were watching it, and then the first thing he said, well, we're not going to have any music here, and I thought, what a relief, because, <laughs> I, because because I just thought whatever whatever you do, it's got to either make it comical or or turn it into something where you don't connect to it and there's something so primeval about that fight yeah. you you feel that you're in it um and also you, there is a soundtrack going on because it's the it's the nightclub mm. and there is there is <coughs> the sound of um a, a, you know an underbelly bass just booming in and out that kind of builds in tempo and fades away and that's the soundtrack so I, th- I I think the ability I'm still trying to learn that factor of of when do you do music and when don't you and and how do you introduce it and when you don't because I don't think I I think it's it's hard to know that and 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 I think that's what differs great composers from you know I know many great composers that are great film composers. Mm. you know because you can write a great piece of music but then if you can't present it properly and and introduce it so that it's not intrusive then it doesn't matter so it, it, it's a it's a difficult one to the to choosing when it comes in and when it doesn't and uh, i i'm personally still trying to figure it out and and, and learn from it because it's 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 very easy to have constant music in a movie it, it Pulling out is the hardest thing. Well, I'm uh, really glad you mentioned uh, you know your collaboration with the writer director Christopher McQuarrie. I'm, I'm just curious, uh, like, how would you describe your experience uh, and maybe even your process working with him versus some of the other directors you've worked with? Usual Suspects is is up there in all time classic movies, and he he created that. And so you're 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 in awe of of somebody like that. It's the same time I worked with Michael Bay. All those movies from when he was starting out were were my were the reasons why I got into film. And and they're part they're part of history and and a film history. And 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 you you may like them or not. That's a different conversation. But the fact is that they they were all periods of of important filmmaking time and and they were part of my my history and my my stories and and the same with chris so it was kind of very intimidating because i he is he he is a great filmmaker and and i think that the process was uh the process was as as great as a experience can be you're 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 getting to work with people that are uh, the top of their game and live and breathe movies it can it cannot be anything but amazing for you as a composer so if 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 you're wanting a bad story unfortunately there won't be one <laughs> you know it it's interest and you and you learn a lot you know i i still i took a long time 
kind of wanting to 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 do my own movies after working with hands for so long because I just I really did not feel I was I was ready. <laughs> and I was constantly learning from whenever we would do something like Kung Fu Panda. I was um, just in awe of John Powell and, and seeing him in hands work and just going, gosh, this is I, I'm I, I, there's a lot still to learn and and that's the process and 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 working with somebody with like Chris on a movie like this is just uh yes you just you you learn so much about a different point of view and and and, and great filmmaking yeah i think that's really incredible i know i'm a big fan of uh, chris McQuarrie's work yeah usual yeah. suspects was a big one he did uh, uh edge of tomorrow recently way of the gun it's just it, oh, it's a, yeah. it's a it's a it's um yeah, it's one of those things where you're sitting, you watch a movie like that, and and maybe halfway through, you're already on IMDb trying to find out who made it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I'm actually glad that you you touched on uh, your relationship uh, working with with Hans Zimmer. So I'm just curious, like, when what was your first project uh, working with with uh, Hans Zimmer, and like, how did that relationship develop? Um, Batman Begins. So uh, it began by. I, I I had worked for a few uh, other composers, assistant. I was assisting them, and um, my first boss over in LA was uh, some uh, comp- a great composer called Henning Loner, and I worked for Henning, and then I worked. I was working for Rupert Gregson Williams, and it was uh, it I I it was just the right. I was at the right place at the right time, <laughs> and like like many things in in um, in life, um, I was just I, I was around, and I think I think like the first time I worked for Henning, Henning was needing somebody that could play the, read music and play the piano, and and said, "Can anybody do it?" And I said, "Yes," and I lied because I couldn't I couldn't sight read music because I'm dyslexic, uh, but I thought if I said no, I won't get the job, so I said yes. And then I just um, stayed up all night doing this piano, uh, you know, working note for note, bar by bar, transcribing it. Um, but I wow. did it um, because I just knew if I if I said no, that was the end of the story. So uh, I, I was kind of a, a around Hans's circle, and then um, uh, Batman Begins. Yes, I Hans said, "Could you help out on this?" And um, I said yes, and he'd asked if I knew the the studio setup and the the way we all write is a, a, cube, a program called Cubase, and I said yes, and again I lied. Uh, I had no clue how it worked, um, but I thought I'm not gonna miss I'm not gonna miss this opportunity. So uh, again, I stayed up all night, learnt the program, and um, and then that was the that was the beginning of it. I started arranging for hands then, and. You know, maybe 14, 14 15 years. Uh, you know, I, I was I was working on, I think, yeah, you know, the majority of of his of his movies. So so it's it's and we still do things together now. We there's we just finished a um, a video game FIFA. Oh, nice! Uh, that, that's just come out, and yeah. So we 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 still we're still 
we 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 even though after you know our working relationship was longer than the majority of marriages so um the, the, <laughs> the, the, the good thing is that we 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 still talk unlike most of them that's so obviously clearly a, a perfect match and uh you know uh, great to have a collaborator like that you can rely on well i, I listen it, it's 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 a very um it's a very it's a very lonely um job most yeah. of the time and and i think that um um it's he's you know he's from the ba- the band background where where it's a team effort and people walk in improvise play things and and that was the whole that's the way he works and 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 he loves working like that and uh yeah you know it's still odd for for sitting there for him to play something and say what do you think it's like i i, I still don't understand why he gives a damn about my opinion but uh, because it's it's you know he is he's he's created the most memorable pieces of music i think of all uh, of our of our time if not all time people will constantly remember his school so it's um it's a pretty, uh, pretty, uh, yeah. I was very fortunate and and very lucky. Wow, that is an incredibly surreal experience. And throughout all of this, I mean, you've done a lot of work across so many different mediums. You mentioned you did video games, and you've done TV, and you've done film. So, how is? Do you have a different take on when you compose for a different medium? No. Uh, TV and video games. Oh no. <laughs> no. You know, you, know, the, you know the thing is is that I think as soon as you do, I think you're you're kind of devaluing the project you're on. The fact is is that that people still have a snobbery over video games. People still and and people kind of look at them as well. It's just what teenagers do, and that is just it's just utter nonsense. Oh it's, yeah, yeah, preach. <laughs> you know, it, it's 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 um before I think when I started out doing video games, they would always compare movies, and they'd say, "Well, we'd like it like this movie, or it would be great if it could be like this movie." And now you notice filmmakers are talking about games. Oh, mm-hmm. Yes, it's it, it's it's a it's a it's a different platform, and composers didn't want to ever work on video games, and now they're chewing at the ankles of game developers to to want to be to want to be part of it. You know, very few film composers who haven't done games. You know, even even John Williams's music is used in games, so technically he's part of it. But right. but it's 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 now part of our psyche, really. And I think that uh, I, even if it's a twenty eight second commercial, I, I it's the same. It's you've got the same job as as a two and a half hour movie. You you've got you've got less to write, thankfully. But it's still the same. You've still got the same task, and you've still got to create something unique to what you're seeing, sonically different. But 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 take the audience on this journey. So I I I think it's a total. It's all the same thing. You you. It's just the quantity of music on on games. You can end up writing hours of it. But the hardest thing is still those first ten minutes trying to say what is the sonic um story that we're going to do 
think that's a really fascinating perspective um, to, to touch on because uh, I, I was really curious. You've worked on some pretty high-profile entries of you know the Assassin's Creed and Call of Duty franchises, and I, I'm I'm kind of curious. These are these are games that are especially notable for their cinematic presentation. So obviously, you have the same approach to creating uh, scores for these different media and video game. But I'm curious, what's the process difference between doing a film versus a game? I was thinking more about like the delivery and the, and the creative process. Like I'm sure it's a lot different because like you said, games are a lot longer. So you're composing a lot of music. I know like, even though you want to emote the same emotions, I imagine it's probably a different way of doing it because gaming music loops a lot more, for instance, I, I, I would suspect. I think certain games, there was a game I did beyond two souls where it's a total, it, it, it's like a, it's like a, a feature film experience. And, and the gamer has the choice to, to choose the destiny of that character. And so every scene I would write maybe three or four different ways because, because she may not do it or she may do it. And, and the outcome is a different emotional response to that so you kind of yes you you this you have to you have to with that kind of game it's a different process because you're you're writing kind of the same scene several times but the reason i really got into games and and was was really through um doing the trailers for activision Uh, and, and that's how i got involved with um assassin's creed because I had been. I started being asked to do their trailers, and then, and then they kind of came to me and said, "Well, look, you do so. You're doing. You're doing this to picture. Um, do you want to look at some of the uh, cinematics in the game?" And so that's how I. That's how I creeped my way into a, a Assassin's <laughs> Creed, really. But, 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 but yes, there is a technical difference because you you're obviously with action with an action scene. If it's a picture, you're 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 following actual hit points, and with and with game music, if for instance an action scene and it's not a, an actual cinematic scene, it's gameplay, then it's more of a mood that you're creating, and and I think with that I kind of I always base it off the fact that I write a piece of music that's two and a half minutes long or three minutes long, and that and 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 look at it as intensities. So you have a full intensity, which is your full-on action cue, and then your middle intensity, which is um, l- less full-on action. It's more possibly um, you could imagine somebody in in semi of a chase, and then the lower intensity is 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 more atmospheric or drone-like, so that there's probably no movement going on, um, so that they're able to. It cut back and forth to it so so you've got to you've kind of got to look at it as like lego kits really the the the, the task in hand is the same task but but yes it is about delivering music in a different way yeah i think that's um really interesting i'm always curious because i know there's like those small nuances in the in the way that music's delivered in the media so i'm like i'm always wondering process what's that well like? especially with how games are so cinematic these days it's like you can get like a punched up action cue and it's like how like would you I mean i had no idea how you would adjust for something like that 
Yes, uh, yes, exactly. And and I think that, you know, each game company will work differently because they've got different engines. Yeah. So, so, so some games will, well, you know, this is very simplistic, but some games will, the music will change if the character turns left or right. Some game engines, the music will just stay the same. So it, it's it, each company will work differently and... Yeah, you just you've just got to you've got to keep a dialogue going on with with the audio team on the game company because really you it's the, you give them your, the the music and then and then they go they go free with it because sometimes you write maybe an hour or two of game music but the gameplay is twenty eight hours long mm. so so the music that was for that scene isn't necessarily always going to be in it or be used somewhere else. But, but then that's what happens in films. You, 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 you write a piece of music that you intended for that scene and, and the director and editor will go, oh, actually this works better here. And, and, and that's the process. That is the process. It's, it's not just about working. You've got to work as a team. The, I mean, the collaborative process, I think, so many, again, it's like one of those like stereotypes for like kind of lay people um, like myself where it's like you like, oh yeah, director, it's like top down and whatever he says goes. But it it sounds like throughout all of this, there's like constant dialogue through all of these different departments going up to the director or the director for the game. Yeah. And, and, and also the fact that there's so many people, same with games as on t- uh, film and TV that all have input so it's not just a case of you you write a lovely piece of music somebody will phone up and say i don't like trumpets <laughs> um, and 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 even though the, the subject matter is about the army um you uh, yeah you, you have to mute you you, you, you have to move uh, remove the trumpets it's 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 that is the nature of the beast unfortunately you initially ask yourself what trumpet hurts you and then you just and, you, and then you do it right yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, well there's there's a there's a great story about some film session that was happening and they were recording and a producer kept saying to the composer can you turn turn the violins down they're just too loud you know this it doesn't work so there was silence and they said okay okay so then they did it the second time and and he said i'm it's still too loud you know the cellos and it, and it went on and on and then um finally the producer left and somebody said well, what did you do and he said nothing we're doing a brass section <laughs> oh, man. oh no oh man oh wow so so it is you know it's 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 just one of those that's how that's the journey we all do so i i do want to circle back a little bit here you mentioned working on batman begins which i mean a fantastic score and honestly really kind of paved the way for the for sound the Ince- of superhero inception films too, later yeah. in inception um, but I'm curious, you also worked on Lego Batman, and I think you were listed as the, the main composer on that. And that's a, a score I know we, we both really love that, that score. What was it like working on a brand as beloved as Batman? Um, I mean, obviously, Mission Impossible is a huge, such a huge franchise, but I know Batman's kind of in a different, totally different category for superheroes. So what was that like? The, the weirdest thing is that I think 
the reason the reason I got Lego Batman wasn't because I'd worked on the other Batmans because I think if they wanted the composer of Batman they would have got hands. So it it wasn't that it was I think that the director liked um a movie I'd done called Thirteen Hours. Oh yeah. Um and I think that the way he talked about Lego Batman Chris McKay the way Chris talked about Lego Batman was that it was um to play it dead deadly serious. The, the this is as if this is a proper Batman movie. It's not. It's not. It's not a. It's not a parody or a pastiche or anything. This is, this is um, as serious as it gets. So, working on 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 Lego Batman was was um, was fantastic because you you got to kind of you got to do something where I think nowadays you you could never like. Hans wrote one of the best v- villain themes ever, which was the Joker yeah. theme, and and he he just he streamlined it and 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 made the concept of a villain theme no longer sound like Frankenstein from nineteen forty five. You know, it, it, villain themes are very difficult to write, and and I think that at least with with Lego Batman, our Joker it was it was a case of going more funky psychedelic um, yeah. because that was kind of that was the kind of that was the motion of the Joker. The Joker kind of um, so yeah. So I think I think Lego Batman, you know, that was that was just fantastic to to do that. In regards to the other Batman ones, I I don't know how Hans kind of started off on that journey because it was just truly unique. Because I think Danny Elfman's Batman was so pinnacle uh, it, that that music came hand in hand with Tim Burton's visuals. So th- so they they belonged, and I think that that um, I learned a lot working on on the the Chris Nolan Batmans because I think what Hans did was create the modern day superhero where you don't necessarily need a fanfare when you enter a room it's so interesting to me to see the evolution of the sounds of batman because i mean caleb and i saw lego batman together and both of us were like this this feels like batman this doesn't feel like you said it's not pastiche it's not satire it is legitimately batman and i think that was an aided in part by your score because of this it did feel like it was treating the subject matter completely seriously which i appreciate as a batman fan yeah well also i think i think um that you know the other thing was is that the, the songs were the escapism in lego batman i'm batman the first song at the beginning of the movie it, it, it's like it's it's deadly serious this is this is this is his song that he that he sings every day yeah, it's it's kind of ironic, but but it is. He's so egotistical. That is the that's his own soundtrack. That's amazing. So I have a kind of a strange question for you. What is a question that you know you're never asked in an interview, but you wish somebody would? Well, two part answer to that. Weirdly enough, relating to Batman, like a Batman, a question that. I do kind of get asked, but it makes no sense. <laughs> it is is the references to other Batmans. So so somebody will kind of analyze it and say, oh, well, you used the four note motif from uh, Shirley Walker's Batman. And, and it's like, I, I have no clue what you're talking about. You know, there's, there's great analyzing it where I think 
it's a it, it's more of a it's a feeling batman is is of a gothic world mm-hmm. it's a man dressed as a bat that lives in a castle you can't get more gothic than that so um so that's um that that's kind of uh, yeah m- more people kind of would ask me questions about that which the question wasn't warranted because there was there was no I, I think somebody had even analysed I, I had put in Elliot Gonthal's theme with Danny's theme and Hans's theme all at the same time, which, which, which I, I wish I wish I was that clever to have figured <laughs> out to have done, but um, but I'm I'm far from that. Um, so uh, so what question do do I wish that I would get asked? It's always a difficult one, you know. It's it's like when somebody asks you what your musical influences and. I, I it's always I think people always kind of want to do the the cliches they love the the same classical references and 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 and, and I say the same cliches. So I'm curious as we we start to wind down uh, the the conversation. I uh, I always like to ask the question. We like to ask the question on soundtrack. What advice would you offer for our listeners out there who are interested in pursuing a career in composing music or even more specifically maybe film scores? Um. Well. It's my 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 advice is probably semi unpopular. Um, I think I think the main thing is don't study film music. I think that you can be a fan of film music and enjoy film music, but I do think that studying it, I I, I don't I don't quite know where that. If if you want to, if you then want to become a film composer, studying it, I don't understand where that gets you, because I think that. If you look at the most original voices working or have worked, they they didn't study film music. They 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 studied music, and then and then they studied film. And I think that's um, you know we're we're all doing it. I'm I, I'm doing it. You know, trying to find trying to find that unique voice uh, and that unique way of of working to picture. And I think that the more you when you look at music colleges and and that do film music degrees where where they have part of their exam is to reschool um the english patient a scene from the english patient it's why why are you doing that the guy that did it won an oscar he did a perfectly well a good enough job um and then but most importantly is that I don't understand how you get credited or you get marked on that because the fact is is that unless the director is sitting there with you. You don't know if it's right or wrong because you you could rewrite that scene with with nothing and maybe one triangle hit and that's it. And nobody nobody can say that that's right or wrong because it's it's what works with the picture. So that I kind of don't quite understand. And I think that you've just got to if you want to get into film or game music it's 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 to learn learn the craft of music and and be a fan of movies because that's 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 why we do it it's like we we love movies and i think that if you kind of just study how john williams writes a, um a piece of music for that certain scene i may be missing something here but but i just i i know from a lot of a lot of my friends that are composers also kind of they all have this general feeling that it's not, don't be analyzing because that piece of music, there's a chance it never belonged in that scene. Mm. 
Yeah. Uh, and so you, so when you start thinking that, or kind of what we were talking about, so a director said, so I don't like trumpets and, and, and I don't like snare drums. And you see 40 horses, um, going, uh, cavalry soldiers going into war and you go, Oh, right. And, <laughs> and then you, you, you could analyze it and go, well, why didn't, why didn't he use that? You don't know the context of why that piece of music was written, so it's hard to analyse it. And and f- focus on listening to music and contemporary music, classical music, and learn that craft. It, that's my advice because it's no different than being an athlete entering the Olympics. You just you've got to know your craft and know everything there is to do with it. The same way as Yes, if you're working with a director, they, they talk about movies. You've got to know what they're talking about. And, and that's what makes it very interesting with, with film schools because it's – I did a podcast maybe a, week, a month ago, two months ago, and they had a, a great game in it where they played um, a piece of film music but backwards. <laughs> uh-huh. And then they gave you three choices. And it was interesting because I, I – th- now I could have this totally wrong, but I think I got I think I got six out of six, which I was very impressed with because nice. when I, I didn't nice. know we were yeah. doing I didn't know I I didn't know I didn't know that we were doing this damn competition. I thought, oh <laughs> no, I'm never gonna get But but I remembered the music from from the film because I don't buy soundtracks and I don't uh, I, I don't kind of I don't I don't listen to them. But I just remember I remembered it from the movie because when I watch a movie all I I, I, I'm very aware of, of the music now, so yeah. So long-winded answer, and I could be wrong, so don't listen to it. But um, if you, if uh, yeah, if you want to um, become a, a film composer, just listen, listen, listen to music non-related to film, and 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 watch movies and le- and and learn that way. I mean, I think that's amazing advice. Yeah. Well, yeah. we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. We'll, we'll see in ten years' time when somebody says, "I wish I hadn't listened to that idiot." <laughs> oh wow! Well, so where can people find and follow uh, the work that you you do on the internet and for your uh, compositions? Do you have like a social media handle? And oh, well, no, I've got, I've got, I've got, I've got my my brand new website lawnbalf.com which is just fascinating and uh, full of well you know actually what actually one really exciting thing about it is that we're putting um unreleased music on it oh Oh, nice awesome So, so so there's when you make a soundtrack and again that's it's a that is another that's another like two hour discussion is is knowing um is how to make a soundtrack mm. and how to represent it, and and I think that it's like with with Fall Fallout, we we um, Steve Lipson that mixed the soundtrack had a brilliant idea about opening the soundtrack out with starting it off with not how the film begins, but really what represents the movie. So we started off with the beginning of the movie, but then it actually then jumped straight to near the end, the helicopter, and. And sonically, in that first track, we we wanted it to feel this is this is the journey you're about to do. So so making soundtracks is a, is a yeah that's a that's another story. Um, but I I've just been very aware of of people on Twitter and 
Facebook asking me about a oh, while. Well, why is that cue not on the soundtrack? And and I thought, okay, um, I'll shut them up by basically putting it on my website. <laughs> so nice. so we're, we're we're spending uh, uh, a lot of um, a lot of time. I like to say I am, but actually Queenie, who works with me, is doing it. Yeah, we're just making sure that. There's a lot of time and a lot of me- great musicians and a, a lot of people sp- spend a long time creating this. So we're just kind of putting it onto really all of the films so that, so that yes, you can go to Amazon and iTunes and buy that soundtrack. But the main thing is to, is to uh, be able to have access to all these other cues that aren't necessarily there. Excellent. So that's uh, LaurenBalf.com. Before we let you go, you've got the Mission Impossible soundtrack that is out in the, in the Blu-ray is coming out on uh, home video on December 4th, I believe. Yeah, with, 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 with its own commentary by myself. <gasps> oh, man. So, so, you, so you'll have two and, a, two and a half hours of my dulcet tones talking about the whole score and how we recorded it and, and how we came up with some of the cues. Uh, I talk about the musicians that played on it and, and yeah, just going through every single cue. That's amazing. Day one purchase. And an isolated school also. Oh, oh that's fantastic. Excellent. So uh, we've got that on December 4th. Uh, is there anything else, any other upcoming projects you can talk about today? I just finished a, a great BBC show called The Cry, which, which you won't see because it's in Britain, but then uh, I'm, I'm, um, very happy to be working with uh, Michael Bay again. Oh wow! On on his new movie Six Underground, so I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying doing that at the moment. And and yeah, you know, Michael is a is a, uh, you know he's an idol of mine. So to be able to kind of work on his movies is always a dream come true. So so yeah, I'm 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 doing that. I'm very excited about it. That's amazing. Well. Wow. Thank you so much for joining us uh, today. And well, everyone, that's our show. As always, please rate and review uh, the Cinematic Schematic on iTunes. That helps hear the show and have people tune in. I'm at Alexander Bohannon on Instagram and on Twitter. Where can people find you, Caleb? Uh, we can, people can always find me tweeting about uh, films and all the great scores we're listening to on uh, Twitter at CMasterstalk. That's letter C, Masters Talk. Do you, do you do you Twitter about bad schools? You know, um, I haven't done a lot about bad scores. I know, Alex, you did a special, like on a separate podcast, you guest hosted and talked the whole show on bad film scores. You know what? Yeah. I did. I forgot about it, but yes, I have talked mean, about it. Mean, 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 <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I don't like the dogpile on scores because, yeah, yeah. uh, I mean, like, you know, I, I don't know. I, I yeah. like to look. At, I like to look at the things that are awesome and yeah. talk about them. <laughs> yeah, it, it it is it is an interesting one because the thing is is that it's like you know my 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 favorite movies have got some of the cheesiest schools pos- possibly attached to them okay. like the you know like the Burbs and I'm not talking about the Alfred Hitchcock the Birds I'm talking Tom Hanks oh, the Birds yes. um, which has got you know I think Goldsmith just went and did every cliche of his own which was great you know he just he embraced it and it's the same as i think the original scream it just uh it's got every cliche known to man in it but it's great yeah no i understand i love the score unironically for the princess bride which is just some of the amazingest synth you can ever 
ever hear. Uh, well, well, you know, see, I, I, I love that, and I was, I was working with a director who actually, he, uh, weirdly enough, he just said, he said that is the worst soundtrack ever. It is just horrendous, and I, and I kind of, I like it because it's, it, it's of that time. Yes. Um, and it's. It's like I was listening, I was watching um, uh, The Running Man, Arnold Schwarzenegger, last week. Yes. You know, just great, um, just great music. And, and it, of course, it wouldn't stand up, well, you know, it wouldn't work now, but it's just, it's great. So, yeah. I mean, just a random thought on that line, because I, I, I love how you put it, because both of those films, the score is of the time. Would you say that, like, the worst scores are the ones you don't remember? Because, I mean, that's the thing. you can oh, People can yeah. dogpile on those and, and call them not great, but we remember them. Those stick with us. I can The, the Running Man, I can play that in my head right now. Yeah, who who knows? You know, it, it's like, it's 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 like the, the, the movie that wins best Oscar. People are sometimes not going to remember two years later. Yeah. Or it wasn't the the one that should have won that year, you know. Like, yeah, well, always remember, One Direction came third in uh, the X Factor. They never won, technically. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, and, and I bet you nobody can remember who actually won that year. So, so yeah, I, I don't think it, it doesn't work that way. Well, on that note, we're going to close out our show. We're going to be followed by the track Battle Royale from Lego Batman is composed by our guest, Lorne Bell. Well, as always, we're Soundtrack, and we look forward to trekking with you again next month.